So what do you do when you've got four kids, seven jobs, and the demands of life are always hunkering at your door? If you can hear from my background just right now, it is hard to find a quiet space or time just to be by yourself. Now, what do you do when you've got another human that you also need to pour into and invest in? Well, on this episode of I Still Do, we're going to take a look at what does it mean to really prioritize your marriage? And we're going to debunk some of the excuses. I mean, some of the absolutely lame excuses people use why they can't invest in their marriage and make it more godly. Sounds good. Are you ready to learn? Me too. Let's go. Ever wonder what married men think? Well, I do. My name is Jory O'Neill, and I am on a quest to learn what makes men say I still do, even when they feel like they don't. Join me as we embark on a journey of discovery and exploration into the mind of a godly man. Hear real stories of love, marriage, parenting, and everything in between. Each week, learn practical ways to keep your vows renewed well after the honeymoon. I still do. Do you? Welcome back to another lovely episode of I Still Do, the Gally Man's Perspective on Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Jory O'Neill, with the one and only Terrence D. Wilson. What's going on, sir? What's up, Miss Lady? How you feeling today? What up, world? Yes, sir. So uh, I'm excited to talk about tonight's topic. Uh, so recently, Ron and I went away for a marriage retreat. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this concept of a marriage retreat, basically a group of marrieds decided to leave their normal uh, day in, day out lifestyle, leave the kids behind, get some time away and spend the night at a hotel learning how to be better partners, um, learning what it means to live a life first and foremost for God and then how to stay dedicated to one another. So I thought it fitting to come on here and have a conversation concerning what does it look like to prioritize your marriage? So that is a topic for today, prioritizing your marriage. And as always, my co-hosts never know what the heck I'm going to talk about. They just come on here willing and ready to just share and, and, and you know, all the business. So I'm excited. Um, so yeah, prioritizing a marriage. What what does that mean to you? What does it mean to prioritize the marriage? Huh, that's a good one, man. Cause you uh it, it's crazy because I, I was just having a conversation with uh one of our aunts in reference to uh uh the man, the wife, and then the the whole um as far as being right. And um for me, prioritizing the the marriage will be making sure that, for one, we always serving God and being the best that we can be for Him. Um, but to put the whole first. So, a lot of times, you know, we hear, "If I'm not right, then the whole thing ain't gonna be right." But that's not true. You cannot be right, and in the process of you trying to get yourself better you got a common goal that you two are working towards. 
So you have to prioritize that being your your main goal is not your individual goal or her individual goal. It's the goal of the two. Like, so if you want a short term goal to reach in the next 90 days as a couple, you know, you want to put that first. You want to work towards that. And by default, working towards that, you have to work on yourself. So you're basically going to end up killing two birds with one stone by by prioritizing what's important, what's first, which is um, the goal that you and your spouse have together. So I would say that that's what it is to me uh, when you prioritize your marriage is put your couple's goal first before your independent, your individual goals. I like that. Um, can you share any personal experience that you've had that have led you to that perspective, either times where maybe you haven't prioritized and then the consequences thereof, or just maybe some um, experiences that you've had in conversations or, or watching what not to do, right? Because a lot of what I learned, both in my marriage and in business and just in general, is I study people. I see their movements. And I see a lot, unfortunately, of what not to do in a marriage. And so I'm just curious, what what led you or what contributed to your specific perspective on what prioritizing your marriage looks like? Uh, life lessons. You know, a lot of times we we go through things in life and we don't realize that it's, it's you. You know, um, when you try something that doesn't work, um, when you go back to try it again, you have to be different and you have to approach it different. You can't approach it in the same way that you approached the last time you tried it. So for me, it will be like my past relationships. Well, my past marriage. This is my third marriage. Well, technically my fourth because I had an Islamic wife um, and I was married before together. So I actually did the... uh, the polygamy thing, the the two wives. So I actually tried that. And that's what led to the common goal because that didn't work. <laughs> and the reason it didn't work is because uh, how, how it was started in the beginning. But um, once all three parties sat down and decided this is what they wanted, the common goal wasn't strong enough to keep everybody moving in the same direction. So with this one, no, we're not trying to have multiples in this situation. It's just me and her. Uh, our goal is for our family to grow, be financially uh, stable, um, have uh, financial freedom, create generational wealth, not just for our families, but other families as well. So our business plays a big part of our goals. So regardless of what I want to do as an individual, I still have to focus on the main goal of ours, which is to create generational wealth for our family and everybody else's. Um, you know, one thing I learned is because God give it, God can also take it, especially if you're not using it properly. So if he give it to me, why well, I can't give it to somebody else? So uh, the Quran says the beggar and destitute has a known right over our funds. So that means if, if I'm giving a hundred dollars and somebody asks for 50, you know, Technically, I got to give them that 50, you know, because they begging for it, you know, not to say that they don't need it or they could just be asking just to be greedy. But it's not me to judge. 
Um, so I'll put that first. Um, Chelsea, she does the same thing. We do bump heads at times, but we have a conversation to get us right back to the main focus, which is our goal. So as we work on each other, we're working towards a goal for the family. If that answered your question. No, I love that. And so my next question was going to be in terms of what you did to contribute to a healthy and fulfilling marriage, right, for both yourselves as well as the larger community. And you actually just touched upon that in sharing how your goals collectively in the family don't only serve you both, but it serves others in the process, right? Not just your children, but uh, those outside of your family in the business that you have of educating others in financial uh, ways and, and freedom and, and ways to care for their family, specifically in the space of uh, insurance, right? And so I, I, I have a, I really have a deep desire to understand, like, what did you do to cultivate, like, the I, the culture of mutual respect that you and Chelsea have? What, how did you get there? Like, it's always been like an itch and desire I've had to, like, like how in the world, like, how y'all get there? Uh, we started from um, communication, like before we even started dating. You know, me and Chelsea has always been friends. And, um, you know, before we started dating, we used we used to always have these conversations when I was living in Oklahoma uh, back in like 2019, right in the, the beginning of the year. We had conversations on like if we was to get together, what would be the main objective? You know, and the first thing I told her was like, yo, I'm not trying to get with you to be with you for two years. I'm trying to get with you for a lifetime. And if you can't give me a lifetime, then there's no reason for us to get together. Like I have put myself through many counseling sessions with with people uh, that's certified counselors, not not the street counselors or the corner counselors or the barbershop counselors or nothing like that. I actually went to uh, psychiatrists and sociologists and all these other people with theologists and ideology at the end of their names. Um, that got degrees in it, I went and sat down and talked to multiple people to better myself. So when I went into this, I knew what my red flags were from a person, and I knew what the signs of the red flags of me coming into it, like what caused my my issues. You know what I mean? Like I started seeing my own red flags. So once I started seeing my own red flags, it's a trend that leads up to it. And we just discussed those trends for me. Like, hey, if you see me doing A, B, C, and D, then we need to have a discussion because something's not right in the household. And I probably don't know how to say something to you. But she's the type is, look, don't worry about my feelings. Tell me what it is straight up. I've been hurt before, but I'd rather hear it from you, straight from you than to worry about anything else. So I have always done that, you know, dealing with her. We have always been open to how we say things to each other. And the main thing was the respect factor. Uh, Regardless of what my past has been, what her past has been, uh, um, she respects me for who I am and who I can be. And I respect her for the same thing. And as long as we respect and communicate each other, it made everything easier for us to grow 
And don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a marriage. We it's, It takes work. We still have issues, but we have these issues together. And we embrace these issues because we know every issue that we have, every adversity that we face, we're going to get better. You know, as long as we conquer it together, we're going to get better. So, like I said, once again, go to my phase. It's communication. And if that answers your question. So that actually kind of leads me to my next question. And what what would you suggest or what has been the best method for you to navigate the demands and distractions of like daily life, right? Because you guys got two kids, two young kids in the house. You're trying to run a business, right? You work outside the home as well. What are some some ways that other people can try to navigate some of those demands and distractions so that they allow themselves to prioritize their marriage? And, And so I ask that because as a wife, I speak to other women and the a lot of reasons why I even made this podcast was because I got tired of hearing women talk about all the things that they couldn't do because of kids, because of marriage, because, right, there were so many limiting beliefs that centered around this new identity that they had as wives, as mothers, right? And so part of my mission was, okay, well, let me go hear from a man what he actually wants, because what you think your man wants probably ain't even what he wants. And so here we are, right, on this podcast where I get to learn what a godly man actually thinks about marriage versus sitting in in, in a you know circle of cackling hens <laughs> commiserating with one another and you know uh woe is me because no woman check you married all right so let's look at the woman who ain't married or who's in an abusive marriage and let's say yay thank you God for where you have me all right so now the next step is how do we make it better so my question is, what what advice could you give other couples on how to navigate just demands of daily living that exist so that they can prioritize their marriage? It's crazy you, you ask that question because when I'm at work, I take my business with me. So it, for me, my business is a positive distraction from everything else. Um, I don't like working for somebody else, um, making their dreams come true while mine is sitting on the wayside. So therefore I take my business with me. My business is going to bring my dreams true. So um, that's a positive distraction that I have for myself. But far as the marriage, um, when I, you know, you know me, I'm, sometimes I could be hot-headed, especially at work, you know, coming from my background, you know, it's, it's less talk, more action. Um, you say the wrong thing. I pop you in the mouth. You know, we move on by life, you know. But now, you know, you got handcuffs, bars and things of that nature, lawsuits. And I don't want to give up no money unless I'm giving it away for a good cause. Um, so therefore, what I do is I actually communicate with Chelsea. She helps me stay level headed and calm while I'm at work, even though she's not there. I'll, I'll just text you, hey, man, these jokes are driving me crazy. First thing she say, don't put your hands on nobody. If they don't touch you, you don't touch them. And you don't understand, baby, it's a slippery slope. Nope, I understand. Don't touch them unless they touch you. So that right there has me always thinking, like, if I do touch this person, what's going to happen to my dreams? What's going to happen to our goals that we're fighting for? Can I still be the example for my son and for my daughter's 
by me lashing out without thinking about the consequences. And that's what changes everything for me to stay focused and avoid certain distractions. See, God's going to give you signs when you're going in the wrong direction. It's up to you to take those signs and pivot. You know, the chairman of the company told us this. He said, hey, if you're going to do something wrong, do it fast. That way you can hurry up and back, get back to doing it right. Because the longer we take doing things wrong, the more time it's going to take for us to correct our mistakes. So I just look at all those things and the mentorship that I'm getting and everything outside of the house, um, outside of the business, in the business, spiritually. It just keeps me focused. And by me being focused, I can help my wife stay focused because she goes through her things that she goes through. And all I can do is say, hey, if we can deal with this together or I'll let you deal with this and I'll stay focused on what's, what's important at this moment for us. I'll keep pushing towards the goals while you handle that. And then you come on back in and we can make it happen. But don't spend too much time on trying to fix that because we have other things that we need to take place. I like that. Um, and so what, in your opinion, are some common pitfalls that you see couples uh, experience where they get to a space where they they can't find ways to prioritize the marriage? Because I've heard that, too. I've heard couples like, oh, you know, we can't go on date nights or, you know, we got small kids or we can't go away and spend time with each other. Or it's hard to talk because yada, yada, yada. Like, what are some common pitfalls that you see when it comes to marriages and, and just people prioritizing their marriage? That that used to be me um, in, in a prior prior situation. Um, even, even now, you know, we had to, um, in order for us to have actually time, now we don't have to worry about it because, you know, we got her, her grandma and she... Um, watches the kids for us every now and then um we need to run meetings or just have a day night or whatever but but uh those who use that as an excuse there's something else wrong with the marriage itself to where they don't want to go out with the individual and i you know that's just my perspective because there are many daycare drop-in spots and stuff like that that has great ratings that in all locations that you could take your kid to for two hours. You can go catch a dinner and a movie. Um, you don't have to leave them there for eight hours a day or whatever. You know, you just need that quality time. And it's not, it's not quantity, it's quality. Like I can put the kids to sleep. We can go sit in the front room on a blanket, have a sandwich, some wine or whatever it may be, and just enjoy each other's presence. Um, that's quality time. How often is it done? <laughs> Maybe not often, but it's not always about the quantity, it's the quality. Like if you can get to that point to where you can enjoy being in each other's presence and talk about what's wrong, hey, look, we really need to get away. Okay, well, let's look up something to find a way to get away. You know, um, it's there's many things out there. You can't use I have a kid as an excuse to get this done, get that done, because it's people who are very successful in life right now who have a great marriage in, right now and they got kids. So you can't use that as an excuse. I won't use it as an excuse. And I, I did before, but I won't now because sometimes that quality time that you need with your spouse, it comes with the kids. Because if they having fun, then most likely you guys will be having fun too because you're there with your kids, enjoying them 
in the life that you're providing for them. So um, that's one of the tip I would say, find a drop-in place where you can drop the kids off. When they sleep, take advantage of that sleep time. It doesn't always have to be wrinkling the sheets. It can actually be a time of having intimate conversations, watching a movie, cuddling, spooning, whatever you guys decide to do. But you have to take advantage of those things because the one thing that you have to realize is that you, the kids didn't ask to be here. You brought them here. So you have to deal with that situation and just utilize the time that you have. Do a quick drop by for lunch. Hey, you know, I'm going to come up and bring you lunch. Do whatever you have to. You have to create that time. You can't use the kids as an excuse no more. So how can, how can, I guess, couples who, I guess, approach quality time in a different way? So like, so I'm talking about love languages. That's not what we're going to get really in deep, deep discussion with on this podcast, particularly maybe in a future podcast, but for right now, I know that my love language and Ron's love languages are different, right? And so I'm more of an affectionate quality time and he's more of an acts of service, words of affirmation type of guy. So when it comes to prioritizing a marriage, I need time together and I need touching. And you got to touch me. You got, you know I mean, like I need that. I need proximity. I need closeness. Um, But for him, he's good as long as like, I like write a heartfelt card and, you know, or leave him a voicemail telling him how awesome he is. Uh, right. Or, you know, make dinner. Uh, I'm not saying that happens often, but when it does, he's extremely grateful. Right. So <laughs> what is your advice to folks who they try to prioritize the marriage, but maybe their love languages are different? Uh. As long as you know the love language of your spouse, uh, it could be it could be easy. Um, the advice I would give anybody who, as long as you know it, and that's the thing, you got to know what your spouse like. You got to know what your spouse need. What motivates your spouse to keep doing the things that they do? You have to know those things. And if you don't know those things, then it's going to be hard for you to even prioritize anything in dealing with that marriage. It's going to be totally hard uh, for me. I'm a touchy-feely person, but I'm also uh, words of affirmation. Like, if you speak belief into me as my spouse, I'll run it. You, I, babe, you're the strongest guy in the world, and you can run straight through that wall. Baby, you're right. I'm running, and that wall is going down. I may hurt myself in the process, but I'm going to run into that wall because she poured that belief in me. You know what I mean? Like, And that's the thing. Everybody has a dream. And you you have to feed that dream sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to pour that belief into your spouse to know that they can reach that dream. Sometimes you just got to slap them on the butt. I don't like that. But hey, if that's what you like, you know, if she do it, even though I don't like it, I know she's doing it because she know I like to be touched. You know what I mean? And I say, hey, man, don't do that. And she's like, OK, I'm sorry. And then she do it again. You know, but then it, it becomes a joke, you know. Like a, a more of a game, like me trying to move her, move away so she can't do it type thing and then vice versa, you know. So you just have to know your spouse and how to deal with that. And that's one advice I would give a person. And the other one is think of what you will want. How you will want to be treated, the level of respect that you want and give it 10 times to your spouse. Because one thing that's respect is earned It's not, you know, what I mean, you have to earn that respect. So if I'm giving 
my respect that what I want 10 times to her, then it's going to come back 10 times to me. And that that's just that solid unit. But your unit won't be solid if you don't have communication. You don't put God first, have communication and understand one another. And don't be afraid to help somebody unpack their baggage. Wow, that last part. I really enjoyed that one. I think I think we should land the plane right there, being willing to help the other person unpack their baggage. Um, you you said something, but you didn't say it. So I'm a, I'm you know, I love clarifying and, and surmising at the end of the things. But what I heard you say was you have to learn your spouse. You have to learn their likes, their dislikes. But in the process, you also have to have the understanding that their intentions are good, right? You have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you don't like being smacked on the butt, um, which I find very interesting. And we can have another conversation about that at a later time. Uh, but the fact that when she does it, you don't get angry right away. Right. Because you know that she loves you and you trust that love. So the three things that I did hear, even though you didn't say them, was that you have to learn your spouse. You have to trust your spouse and you have to believe that they have your best interests at heart. Right. You you have to give them the benefit of the doubt and you have to know that they, they are coming from a, a place of good intentions. Right. It's, it's coming from a place of good. And with those three things, I think. Anyone should be successful with prioritizing their marriage. Super excited for this conversation. Listen, my energy was a little low today because uh, be honest with you, I'm not even supposed to be speaking this long. But uh, if you want to know more about that, go ahead and email us <laughs> at our H Entertainment. And I will spill all my business. I have no problem to do so. Um, and I'll tell you why I'm so low energy today. Um, I am I am in the midst of battling and I know that there is victory on the other side of this. So I'm super excited. Thank you, Terry, so much as always for sharing your heart and being willing to be an open vessel, right? For others to learn from and to grow with. I appreciate you, brother. That's it for us over here. And I still do the Godly Man's Perspective on Marriage podcast. Until next time, people, make sure you still say I do, even when you feel like you really don't. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support and continued love, care, and concern. If you've been blessed at all from this recording of I Still Do, we ask that you do two things. One, go ahead into your favorite podcast app and subscribe, download this episode. And the second thing we'd love for you to do is share this episode with another golly man who could use some perspective on marriage.